As we uh, kick worship off this morning with singing, let's go to God in prayer. God, we are grateful for this Sunday, Christ the King Sunday, in which we recognize Jesus as King and Lord of our lives over the church, over the whole cosmos. And Lord, we are grateful to be in this place where we can gather to worship, where we can look out of these windows and see uh, the beauty that surrounds us, the warm sunshine as we step outside and feel the cooler temperatures and we're reminded of the cycles of life, the seasons, uh, just your marvelous creation that uh, reminds us again and again of uh, death and new life. And so we are a thankful people. But Lord, we admit this morning as we come together that we have failed you in ways, uh, in word and thought and deed, uh, things that we have done and things that we have left undone. And so we recognize that it just wouldn't be right for us to come and proclaim our praise to you when we have things that are standing in the way that we have, we've placed there. And so we want to confess our sins to you this morning. Take them and remove them from us as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. Cleanse us for all, from all unrighteousness and leave nothing to stand in the way from us uh, knowing and feeling your presence this morning in this place. Lord, we want to also lift up uh, names and situations that are on our hearts and minds this morning. We are grateful that you are already at work in those we love most, working toward their good. We know that and trust that and believe that, and yet uh, these things burden us. And so we remember the words of Jesus that we are to take his yoke upon us, not the yoke that we impose upon ourselves. So part of that means unburdening ourselves from the things that we have picked up and instead uh, carrying the yoke of Christ. And so we want to call these names and situations out to you this morning just as a way to say we release them into your care and we trust in the good things that you will do. Hear now, Lord, as we speak names. Miss Lee. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The families of the students who were murdered in Oregon. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The Gray family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The Tritico family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My mother. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Glenda Williams. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy. Jerry Hodson, who's suffering from a broken wrist this morning. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Angela Brooks and Michaela Phillips. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, 
Lord, I'm sure that there are many unspoken requests here. I would also like to lift up our denomination as churches and pastors all over the place are discerning where they might serve you best and the disruption that that causes and the sadness for many people. Just cover us with your love, with your grace as we go through this hard time. We pray for the folks in other parts of the world that do not have the comforts that we have this morning. Folks who uh, are either in war-torn countries or facing uh, food and water shortages and, and gathering to worship is almost impossible. Certainly not the first thing on their minds. And, and so we pray for them that they might experience the same comforts that we have, that we take for granted when we come into this place. Lord, anybody that we've forgotten, uh, we also trust them into your care. We know that you know each and every situation intimately uh, and that you love them so much more than we do and can. And so we lift them into your care and we pray that this morning as we continue to sing, as we read the scriptures, as I bring a word, as we teach our children, as we take up offerings, that through it all, you might be the center of our focus this morning. We give all praise and honor and glory to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite our children to come forward for our children's time this morning. I know we'll have to use our extra good, we'll have to use our extra good listening ears because my voice isn't all the way back from vacation yet. It decided to continue on, but it's coming, it's coming. Good morning. Well, are y'all excited about this week? What's happening this week? Thanksgiving, no school. More importantly, no school. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we have a very neat scripture story today, um, but in our story today, someone comes to the Israelites and says, you know what? I don't think you should trust in your God to save you. I think you should just give up and panic and be afraid. Do you think that that's a good idea? No, no. But sometimes it's hard to trust in God. Sometimes it's hard when we feel afraid, right? What are some things that when you get, when you are afraid, what are some things that we can do? What do you like to do when you get scared? Trust God. Trust in God. Absolutely. Absolutely. But sometimes it's hard to know that God is with us, right? It's hard to see God. Sometimes it's hard to feel God. And so I have a friend that does this really neat thing with um, her preschoolers that she teaches. So it's a little bit young for you guys, but I want to do it. And I want to do it with our whole congregation. Um, when we are not sure that we feel God, when we feel afraid or worried or stressed, we can go like this. Okay, so I want you all to do it with me, okay? It says, I am safe. And you put your hand over your heart like this. Say, I am safe. And then with the other hand, you say, I am loved. And you say, God is with me. And while you're doing that, when you breathe in, you remember that God is as close as that breath that you just took. In that song we just sang, it said, it's your breath in our lungs, right? It's God is with us in the very air we breathe. Okay, so when we're worried or we're stressed, we can say, I am safe. I am loved. God is with me. 
and we can remember that God is always, always, always there for us, right? Sound good? Okay, guys, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for always being there for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, you can head to Children's Church or you can sit with your parents. We have some great kids folders for you today. So uh, for those who are visiting us, we use the narrative lectionary, uh, which is this uh, nine-month lectionary that kind of helps us see the overarching story of Scripture. Uh, We started in Genesis. We are working our way up to the birth of Jesus, and and we will switch over into the New Testament uh, there. But as for today... We are in the prophet Isaiah. We're going to be in chapters 36 and 37, uh, excerpts from that. Listen now for a word from the Lord. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, King Sennacherib of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. The king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh, that's like a field officer, the Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. He stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And there came out to him Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, and Shebna the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you rely on the Lord by saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me and come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from your own vine and your own fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you by saying, The Lord will save us. Have any of the gods of the nations saved their land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sephravim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of these countries have saved their countries out of my hand, that the Lord should save Jerusalem out of my hand? When King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was in charge of the palace, and Shebna the secretary, and the senior priests covered with sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. May it be that the Lord your God heard the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, 
Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. I myself will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer and king. Amen. So we are spending time with the prophet Isaiah today. I love the prophets. I love the prophets. I was fascinated in seminary as I began to study the prophets. I had one idea of what they were all about. Typically, it was like future telling. The prophets were future tellers. And I began to find out they're much more complicated than that. And as I studied them more, I began to see how I think, it's my theory, that that Jesus actually studied the prophets too and began to shape his ministry over the best parts from each of the prophets. Now, like all prophets, we talked about last week, uh, Jesus, like all the prophets, uh, delivers both the the hard-to-hear news that uh, reform and repentance is needed from God's people, but then he tempers that with the good news of grace and salvation. That's kind of a, a thing that all the prophets do, including Jesus. But from Micah, we talked about last week how Micah was this rural prophet preaching from his farm, and sending messages to the, the big cities of power in Samaria and Jerusalem. You know, he was, he was kind of against all that power and centralized stuff. Well, I, I think Jesus took a page from that because he did most of his ministry in Galilee and Samaria, wandering around in these rural places, kind of speaking out against these abuses of power. From the prophet Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel's favorite title for himself was Son of Man. Jesus' favorite title for himself is Son of Man. Ezekiel, strange enough, felt called by God to carry the sins of the people upon his side for a number of days as he laid in front of the temple. Well, obviously, Jesus carried the sins of the whole world upon himself. I think that that, that Ezekiel's ministry shaped that. And from Isaiah, as Isaiah talked about a lot of stuff that Jesus drew from. But there's one thing that I see that Isaiah does very well that Jesus also does very well. And, and that is, he had this ability to calm anxious minds and hearts with a very simple phrase. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, unlike Micah, who preached from his farm, Isaiah worked in the city center. In fact, he was a high-level prophet. He worked directly for the king's lived in the palace right in Jerusalem. He served four kings in Jerusalem. And our story today comes from the very last king, Hezekiah, that Isaiah was serving. And over and over, when the kings would have these moments of crisis, when the nation was in trouble, they would turn to Isaiah and they would say things like, What should we do, Isaiah? Please tell us that you have a word from the Lord because we are in trouble here. Will we survive this crisis? How do we get out of this? And again and again, Isaiah would say, do not be afraid. Be still. God is with us. The famous story of Emmanuel comes from Isaiah. 
saying, God is with us. Do not be afraid. And I have no doubt that this way of ministering to people had an impact on Jesus because just look at the life of Jesus when his disciples are afraid, when other people are afraid. Over and over, Jesus would say to them, do not be afraid. The difference was when Isaiah said, God is with us, was very different than when Jesus said, God is with you. You just don't know it. But do not be afraid. I love that. You know, it's understandable that King Hezekiah would be so fraught with anxiety. He tore his clothes, puts on sackcloth and ashes, and goes to the temple to pray, sends messengers to Isaiah, as the kings always did. But it's understandable that he would react this way because uh, King Sennacherib of Assyria, by the way, it's just a fun name to say, say Sennacherib. Sennacherib, right? Sennacherib was known as this uh, tyrant king and, and had really uh, done well in conquering the other nations. Uh, and here he is standing at the gates of Jerusalem and he's taunting the people. They're, they're walled up inside their city wall and he's trying to provoke them trying to get them to make some kind of a move, to come out of hiding. And he says things like, My record speaks for itself. Look at all the nations that I have conquered. No gods have ever stopped me from doing what I want to do. And then he takes the knife and sticks it in and twists it a little bit and says, Guess what? I even conquered your brothers and sisters in the north. Remember the two kingdoms had split north and south. And they had their own king and place of worship in Samaria, and Jerusalem was in the south. Well, 20 years before this, Assyria had conquered the ten tribes of Israel in the north. And so when he's standing here saying, what God can stop me? In their minds, they're thinking, yeah, what God stopped this from happening? Where are our brothers and sisters who have now been dispersed out into the lands? And so... It's in this moment that Hezekiah, understandably worried and anxious, sends some messengers to Isaiah for a good word. Please give me a good word, Isaiah. And Isaiah, true to fashion, says, Do not be afraid, King Hezekiah. Do not react to his threats. Be still. Do not move an inch. God is with you. Do not be afraid. And I love that because I can think about the times in my life when I have needed to hear that voice. I've needed somebody to tell me, calm down, everything is okay. I've been on some kind of a journey the last couple months, maybe an expansion of mind or thought about my own life. It started with a, a book that I picked up called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Now, Eckhart Tolle is a German philosopher, and he's a, he's a spiritual counselor. And in this book, he talks about how humans have two minds. One mind is the mind that is noisy, that it's speaking and going all the time. The only time it really shuts up is when you go to sleep. And it fills itself with this noise of thoughts of the past and of the future, you know, dwelling on, on, on things of the past, mistakes made, or how you could have done stuff differently, or wondering if your greatest fears are going to be realized in the future. Constantly spinning, spinning, spinning. He says, but you've got another mind, and that mind is aware of this noisy mind. Even now, you can, you can hear yourself thinking those thoughts. 
He says, this quieter mind, this higher mind, is actually tapped into the mind of Christ. And it is present in the moment, where the noisy mind is in the past and future. The quiet mind is in the present moment, and it's content with all that surrounds you right now. Paul had words for these in his letters. He said, this is the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit, and the two are opposed to each other. That we need to more and more gravitate to the mind of the spirit and put to death the mind of the flesh. I've got a fleshy mind. Man, I've got a fleshy mind. It's always busy. I think about the times that I was happiest in the past and go, oh, the past was so good. I wonder if I can ever get back to that place. Uh, Do you remember that vacation we took? Man, that was so nice. I wonder if we could do that again. Remember when we lived in this house, and that house was so nice. Gosh, I wonder if we could get back there. And so you, you start trying to figure out if you can somehow get your life the way it used to be. I spend lots of times thinking about what I want in the future. We all have goals for the future. You position your life, and you head in the direction that you think is going to have the best chance of getting you to that place. I think about mistakes that I made in the past, and how, how life might have been different had I not chosen to do those things. I worry about potential problems and fears in the future. When will I die? How will I die? Will it be scary? And my mind all the time is just spending tons of energy in places that don't actually exist. Because the past is the past and can never be visited again. And the future never actually gets to us right? When is tomorrow? Tomorrow. Well, then when you get to tomorrow, when is tomorrow? It's tomorrow. The only time you ever have is the present moment, the past and the future. You'll never see it. This is the moment that you have. And so I I wonder if Jesus, in, in being influenced by Isaiah and seeing how he would minister to these anxious folks who are kind of dwelling in the busy mind when his disciples too were were fraught with the same kind of busyness. And Jesus would simply say, do not be afraid. If perhaps he was saying, quiet that mind. Quiet that mind. Focus on right now because in this moment, I am here with you. You have all that you need. Do not be afraid. Part of this journey that I've been taking is started Jesus Calling, the devotional. You guys use that? Have you ever, ever looked at that before? Really popular devotional. And I, and I always thought, eh, it's kind of frou-frou. You know, this lady's writing in the voice of Jesus, and Jesus is somehow talking to me through it. But then I, I actually flipped through it. And, and, and if you've used it, you know the whole theme of the book is about focusing on the now and dwelling in the presence of Christ in the now. And she says this over and over in in different ways. Here's Wednesday's entry. This week, Wednesday. Did you, oh, look at that. Beautiful. As you look at the day before you, you see a twisted, complicated path with branches going off in all directions. You wonder how you can possibly find your way through the maze. Then you remember the one who is with you always, holding you by your right hand. You recall my promise to guide you with my counsel and you begin to relax. And as you look again at the path ahead, you notice that a peaceful fog has settled over it, obscuring your view. 
you can see only a few steps in front of you, so you turn your attention more fully to me and begin to enjoy my presence. The fog is a protection for you, calling you back to the present moment. Although I inhabit all of space and time, you can communicate with me only here and now. Someday the fog will no longer be necessary for you will have learned to keep your focus on me and on the path just ahead of you. Isn't that lovely? To think that God puts fog in our lives as a grace so that we're forced to just dwell with Jesus in the present moment. That Christ inhabits all of space and time, and yet the only place that we can communicate with Him, the only place we can feel His presence, is right here and right now. Not someplace in the past. Not some imagined future. And you find that when you begin to leave the cares of yesterday behind, even as you sit here and your mind is going, oh, all the stuff that I've got to get ready for Thanksgiving gifts and I've got to carve the turkey and we've got to get more forks and we're out of towels and oh my gosh, do we have enough beds for everybody to sleep in? Like if you can somehow silence that busy mind and just focus on the now, you find that in this moment, in this moment, you're fed, you are warm, you are content in this moment you are at peace you are alive and well and Christ is with you and that's something hmm. I'm not blaming Hezekiah right we're probably none of us will ever experience something that frightening when an army has surrounded your house saying, come out or we're coming in. Right? That was a scary day. Threatening that if you don't come out peacefully, we'll come in and kill you. But if you come out peacefully, we'll go ahead and assimilate you into the area of peoples, just like we did your brothers and sisters in the north. We'll take you to a land that's just as nice as yours. Right? We've got wine there and we've got bread. It'll be fine. Just come out. Don't make us come in. We'll probably never have anything like that. But let me tell you, the, these types of intrusive voices are trying to get in our mind all the time. Trying to get us to move away from the present moment. Anything but the present moment, because Christ is in the present moment. And so these voices try to get us into these other places. Trying to scare us into making a move to secure some imagined future. Right, Even now, with everything that's going on in the UMC, I don't know how you feel about this denominational split, but right now I can identify the voice of Sennacherib shouting, who can save you from the inevitable changes that are coming to the UMC? Haven't you heard about the heresy that is spreading throughout the land? Come out peaceably right now. We'll take you to a land that's just as good. Right, and there's wine and bread there. Come out before it's too late. With the same, maybe, maybe we can hear the voice of the prophet saying, Be still. Be quiet. Do not be afraid. 
Because in this moment, in this moment, you have everything you need. And I will continue to walk with you and to guide you through whatever happens in the future. But you're okay in this moment. Be quiet. Be still. And it turns out that voice calm was exactly what Hezekiah and the people needed to hear that day. Because shortly after this, Sennacherib's attention was turned back toward home because the Ethiopians thought they would attack Assyria on their home front while Sennacherib's attention was turned toward Israel. They thought they would take that opportunity. And all of a sudden, Sennacherib's like, I got to get back home and see what's going on there. We're being attacked. Right? And then a couple years after that, Sennacherib's sons thought that they would try to take his throne. They killed him with the sword. Sennacherib, never to bother the people of God again. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if that day that Sennacherib stood on the hill and threatened them, if they would have surrendered peacefully? Could you imagine if they would have said, attack, we're attacking them? Both of those would have been disastrous. Both of them would have been disastrous. Stillness and presence of mind and calmness of heart was exactly what they needed in that moment. And God took care of them. Do not be afraid. This is an exercise that takes practice, folks. It ain't easy. This is part of the journey that I'm on. I'm learning to identify that noisy mind and to tell it to shut up and to focus on the mind of Christ that is still and present within me at all times. It takes practice. But I think it's worth paying attention to. I think it's worth paying attention when that fear begins to rise up in you and you are tempted to do something maybe stupid. And you go, wait, let me take a step back for just a second. Is this really what God wants me to do? What is Christ telling me right now? Take a step back. It's worth quieting yourself to hear the voice of Jesus who promises to be there whispering at any given moment that you choose to call upon. Folks, all is well. Take a deep breath. Christ is here with us. Do not be afraid. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So will you join hands, form a big chain across this room, and receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved. You're completely forgiven and you're uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do that, you're probably going to make some mistakes because we all do. And I need you to know when you make those mistakes, there's nothing you can do. Nothing that would make God love you any less. Thank you, Jesus. Because God's love for you is not based on your performance. It's rooted in His amazing grace. Grace that we don't understand. Grace that we cannot fathom. 
But in grace, he looks at you and says, Beloved, I love you just as you are. And I love you too much to leave you there. So I pray that you would take that good word this week in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and go from this place in peace. Amen.